But we're in the fourth week of our uh, series looking at these five theological truths. But the overall point is to say we, live, we have differing opinions on so many things as a church. We, we have complicated lives, and yet we said so we want to encourage each other in this one way. And it's really easy to think about how we're different or how we annoy each other. But in those moments, my hope is that we will return to these five things and be able to explore and to be able to understand each other and love each other as God loves us. That's the overall goal. And this week, as Mary Flynn uh, beautifully articulated, we're talking about joining God's work in the world. And each of the theological truths are in the back of your order of service, but this is what our one today says. Through the work of the Spirit, God calls and redeems people into new creation and invites us to join in the building of God's kingdom as the church until that kingdom one day comes in full. And so what we're claiming here is if we were to combine all the ones that we've talked about, that the, that the spirit that hovered over the waters of creation, that could be seen in a cloud at Mount Sinai when Israel chose sin over faith, the spirit that took on flesh and lived amongst us, that spirit is now a part of who we are. We have been swept up into God's work of redemption. And that's what we're going to talk about. And as we go to God's word to explore what this means for our lives, will you pray with me? Jesus, we are grateful to see and to encounter how you have been worked at work since the beginning of time, present with us in our faithfulness and in our unfaithfulness, and that in your grace we might claim it again fully for our lives and live as new people. And so we pray that as we hear your word, it might sound like grace to our mind and to our heart. We might chew on it so it might become who we are, a new people defined by your love and a desire to follow you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Our scripture today comes from Acts 2, 1 through 4, and then we jump to verses 13 and 14 to close. Listen for God's word for each of us this morning. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. But then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This passage is the birthplace of the truth that we're talking about this morning. 
What we say is that ever since this moment, ever since Pentecost, the Spirit has been with us, rests upon us. And what that means as a church is that we are redeemed. There is nothing keeping us from answering the call to join the Lord in the building of his kingdom. And that sounds, you hear it, you hear it in the scripture, you hear it as Mary Flynn's talking about it, it sounds nice, sounds fun, it sounds meaningful. It's like, yeah, let's do this. It, yeah, we're called to join, I'm ready. But when we get in the real world, do you know what it feels like? You ever seen the movie Little Miss Sunshine? It's, uh, it's about a family rushing to get across the country to make it to a child pageant competition, which sounds like a weird plot for a movie, but it makes sense if you're watching it. And, uh, and on the way, the van that they're in, it breaks down. And they find out that the engine, it will only turn over, or they can only get the van started if the car is in third gear. And in third gear, you have to be a certain miles per hour. And so they have to get the car up to that miles per hour before they can actually turn uh, the van on. And I have a video. This is what uh, ends up happening. So today, we're going to join God's work. I'd contend that for most of us, that is the picture of what we think it's going to look like. That's what we're, oh, it's like, oh man, this is what it is. It's, it's like an invitation to jump on board the kingdom van, which is exciting, uh, but it has begun to roll down the highway, and, uh, and we need to get on board or we're going to miss out. Big picture, it makes sense. It's like, oh, this is kind of a fun way to get the car started and, and we're pumped and we we love the camaraderie of all pushing together and and then running after it if we all get in and and there's a sense of urgency like we don't want to miss out on this we don't and so we push and we run after it and we try to jump in and then and that sounds good but then but we go out and we we try to live that like as a whole community out there uh in the real life and it it's not so simple because really quickly we find out everyone wants to start pushing at different times. Our calendars don't all line up. And the highway, it doesn't always seem to like, you don't get to start pushing like at an incline down. You always feels like you're always having to start pushing uphill. And then after a while, the people who push the van the longest, they start to get a little bitter about it. And the ones that are, that are pushing the least amount feel a little guilty but don't know how to communicate that guilt. And then even more, the, the whole van pushing process, it doesn't always feel like everyone's most pressing issue in everyone's life. They're like, I'm just not really that interested in going to the pageant. Or, or you know, my actual car is also broken down, and so I'm going to work on that car. You guys go on without me. Uh, or we say, like, my gifts, like, I'm all for you pushing the van, but I feel like my gifts could be used in a better way than just my muscle. Like, that's not, no one's really said, Drew, you know why we need you? Your muscle, that's it, your speed. No, no one's ever said that. And so after uh, a few attempts of trying to all do this together, making sure we're all there at the same time, doing it in the same direction, and it's not working out, if someone asks, well, how's your church doing, joining God's work? We're like, man, not so good. Even when we get everyone in the van, someone immediately has to use the bathroom, and we got to, like, pull off again and start all over. And so in the end, joining God's work, it, it, it becomes, when we have this mentality, it becomes dominated by this feeling that we need to do more 
We need to do it better. We're left defeated and anxious that we have missed out on the opportunity to live what is a really exciting truth. Like the, king, the kingdom man is rolling down the highway without us. And we either blame ourselves or the people around us that we haven't been able to get on board. But what is amazing, at least in my view, about the book of Acts, where our scripture was this morning, the Acts of the Apostles, literally the book about how people began to do God's work. What is amazing about this book is that Luke, he never portrays this truth as anything like us running to jump into a moving van. In fact, the book of Acts never portrays this truth as really being about us at all or what we do. As Will Willimon uh, points out in Acts, Luke is unconcerned with what people do to join God's work. It's not his focus. He doesn't care about Peter or Paul's interior journey. There's no description of what they overcome to be a part of God's work. There's no talk of like how hard they ran to get into the van to, to be a part of this new movement. You read Acts, and it's not like, wow, look at the impact a person can have if you try really hard to be faithful. It's almost the opposite of that. In our passage, where, where Peter stands up at the very end to preach about Jesus, to, to go out and do this thing, Luke is begging us, I think, to ask, wait, wait, is this the same Peter from the Gospels? The, the same guy who like 52 days ago uh, couldn't even find the courage to, to talk about Jesus to, a, to one little servant girl? Is that the same Jesus? I mean, that's the same Peter? And now without any ind indication that Peter has gotten more impressive as a person, that same Peter is not only willing to claim Jesus, but to proclaim the Lord's story to the whole city, to anyone who will listen? I'm telling you, Luke wants us to be skeptical. He wants us to ask, how is this possible? He doesn't explain how good Peter is for a reason. Because he isn't trying to explain how people become so impressive or, or show us as the church how impressive we need to be. Instead, Luke is trying to explain how such unimpressive people ended up being included in such an impressive story. Luke is going out of his way to make clear this ragamuffin group didn't figure out how to work together and jump into the van all at the right time and, and do it all perfectly. No, this is just what happens when the Spirit is present. That's what Luke wants us to know. Not what Peter did or didn't do, but what happens when the Spirit is present. Pentecost, it doesn't raise the bar on what joining God's work should look like for us. It reminds us who God is when God is with us, and that God is very much with us. 
Put simply, the original story of people joining God's work, it's not about people. It's about God. Because Luke believes remembering who God is, believing that this is who God is for us and how this is how God works in us, that that's the only way to remember who we are and to realize how we have already begun to join God's work. Therefore, as the church, when we say that the Spirit redeems us to join His work, That is not a demand for you guys to catch up to God's story. To think about like, well, what do I need to do? How much faster do I need to run? And which van do I need to jump into? It's claiming instead that God's story is already being told in your life. It provides grounding to remember who we are and to look for what God is doing right now, not only in our lives, but in one and each other's lives. This truth claims that despite anything we have done or not done, we're already in the van. We're already headed down the road. We are spirit-filled people. That's what we're saying. That's what we believe. You are a spirit-filled person. And friends, if we orient our lives around that, I believe that we will be surprised. Surprised by joy in the ways that we discover that God is already at work in our lives right now. Right now. As I was preparing this sermon, I tried to, which I Try to do often. I tried to come up with some stories that were connected to this theme. I was thinking of examples where where trusting the Spirit was present in my life was was hard because it is hard. It's hard to do. We're action oriented people. And then I tried to think of examples where joining God's work was truly amazing, where it really did feel like something beyond us was at work and moving in us. And the first story that came to mind for this being difficult, the first thing that popped into mind was at this leadership, church leadership meeting um, a few years ago. At the time, I was concerned about where Kairos was financially and, and whether the church was going to be able to cover the expenses that we had. And I, and I brought this up to leadership, expecting them to jump into action, to be like, oh, that is a problem and, and we, we're going to solve it. Uh, But instead, before I knew it, my agenda item to solve our budget crisis, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I'm like, hey, here's where we're at. This is where we need to go. This is clearly a problem, right? This is how it ended. This is the predominant response. People said, started kneeling on the floor and praying. And everyone was praying. We're like, we need to pray about this. Everyone was praying. And I, as, as best I recall, nobody prayed to make budget. No one even talked about that. Everyone began praying based on the conversation that happened out of this agenda item that our church would be known as a church that prays. And people were like, literally, I just distinctly remember two people kneeling on the floor being like, Jesus, make us a church that prays. And I left that meeting thinking, what just happened? I was like, I was frustrated. I felt like, yeah, prayer is great. 
And if we had prayed about the budget, I might feel like a little bit better. But in the face of some real needs, a little action would have been nice. And no doubt you can think of examples in your own life where you feel this tension around your job or a relationship or an illness or some injustice in the world. And so you know this way of thinking about joining God's work. It can be hard to truly believe the Spirit is present and at work in us. The positive example of joining God's work was our relationship uh, with friends of refugees. Uh, it culminated. We've, we've been partnering with them and growing our relationship with them for a number of years, and it, it culminated a couple months ago, as I'm sure some of you remembered, where we were able to give them an enormous financial gift. Uh, I think it was over $70,000, and it wasn't just a big check, but it was a check to a specific sudden need that they had, and we were able to meet them, and Brian Bollinger came and shared the vision and invited us to be able to give this thing. Uh, and when we announced it, people were like, man, that is so amazing. That is so cool. Uh, how were we able to do that? How did this come about? And I explained it by saying things like, well, our church values generosity, and we value joining God's work. And we got bold leadership that, that wants to, you know, walk our talk. I said things like we got incredibly faithful members who have, over many years, built real relationship with friends of refugees over the years, and, and this is just a natural fruit of that labor, that relationship. And probably similar to so many of your explanations about life, about why things have happened or where things are going, my explanations about this gift, they weren't wrong. They just weren't framed around who God is. They were framed as how in this one moment... We got lucky and we made it into the van. And isn't it cool when we make it into the van? Let's make sure we try extra hard to make it into the van again. Which ironically was the source of my frustration at the leadership team meeting. I felt like we needed to push the van and get in it or we were going to miss out on the kingdom pageant and no one really that interested in pushing. Before I began writing my story, those were my two stories and they, they just came totally separate. Those are the two things I was thinking about. And then something uh, quite odd happened. I started praying around this theological truth. I started diving into this scripture. And it was only then that I remembered after that leadership team meeting where the agenda item was about the budget, that I remembered that we ended up not only making budget, but we were able to fully fund the equipping fund that Mary Flynn mentioned earlier. We funded it to such an extent that we weren't even able to give it all away. And so we designated the leftover to one day be used for the purpose of mission. And it's that money that ended up going to friends of refugees. And all of a sudden, what were these two separate stories? Stories that were my stories, but in no way were, were these 
you know, great pictures of my faith. They just happened to be stories where I was present and trying to be faithful. And they were stories that had moral lessons that I could try to apply. I should trust prayer and we should give, you know, where we see need and things like that. These two separate stories all of a sudden became one story for me. One story of joyful proclamation of how the Spirit is present and God is good. And I'm not saying there was no action involved, that if, that if we were passive, we would have made budget or given that gift. But what I am saying is the only way those two things connected in my heart and became a gospel story The only way those two stories truly began to feel like good news to me is after about a three-year gap, I finally joined that group of leadership on the floor in prayer and took seriously that the Spirit is with us, is at work in us. And it's only then that my eyes were open to see how God is already at work in our lives. And it just makes me wonder, what stories in your life have you explained away as good moral lessons, things to remember, tidbits to improve on or to apply? What stories are like that for you And what might happen if we gathered them around this truth that God is with us at work in our lives? If we did that with an open heart. Because friends, this is what we are invited to do together. In this community, we believe Jesus has finished the story. In God's grace, we claim we can't miss out on it. We're already swept up in it. And so we're going to be people of prayer, believing that God is at work in one another's lives, that the Spirit rests on each of us, and we want to see that. And therefore, to love one another as ourselves is to notice that truth in each other, to hold each other accountable to it, and to say that the good news is being told in your life. And we want to proclaim it together. We want to learn to trust it and celebrate how it's changing and sending our lives out to truly bring forth the kingdom of God as his people. Friends, there are gospel stories being told in your life. Let's gather around that truth and celebrate where we find them. Will you pray with me? Jesus, your good news is so good that we want to unscandalize it. We feel like we got to catch up to it. We got to earn our way into it. We got to prove that we really believe it. And yet, over and over again, you offer us grace. You remind us that it is you who are at work in us, not us who have to prove we can work with you. And so, God, we pray that we might become a people of prayer. 
people of prayer for ourselves, for our community. We might believe that you are at work in our lives so our focus is not on what we should do, but our focus is on naming where we see you, making you the center of our lives, believing that that will inspire us to see where we are being pulled out to be your people in this world and to help build your kingdom. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.